This is Macro Monkeys, where macroeconomic analysis meets the markets through the eyes of retail investor monkeys. Content provided is solely for informational and educational purposes only. It is not, nor is it intended to be, trading or investment advice or recommendations of any kind for any security, futures contract, transaction, or investment strategy. Trading securities can involve high risk and the loss of any funds invested. Please consult a licensed professional for any specific investment advice. Hello, thank you for joining us. Uh, it is uh, once again a, a, a tri-merge of... Uh, <laughs> stockcheatsheets.substack.com, uh, our audience with Shake and Power users, and our podcast audience that's listening to the Macro Monkeys podcast. I'm Double A, a retail trader based in uh, Denver, Colorado. Once again, joined by uh, my decade-long trading partner, Mike O'Connor, who is in Austin, Texas. Yep. And whenever I uh, have a winning day, I'm a professional trader. And whenever I get my ass kicked, I'm a rank amateur who will sell at the bottom, right? Rank amateur who sells at the bottom, buys at the top. I, I, I call myself retail because it encapsulates both of those things. So um, we're going to get through a lot today, but I think we need to st we're going to start with the macroeconomic and then we'll move into um, uh, the chicken analytics. Uh, we always like to do a little bit of a software demo as we talk about the market, because that's the one platform that allows us to look at uh, a combination of technicals and fundamentals. And then finally, um, for cheat sheet subscribers, uh, some added value on some of the cheat sheet signals and some of the stocks that I found that might be worth trading if this uh, potential FOMO rally we get to continue on Monday starts. So that is the big question. Double A, maybe you can explain to me how the Fed can basically be to the right of the Supreme Court. I mean, I think they would have a sperm arrested if this were an abortion clinic uh, in terms of the um, amount of uh, harshness, how, how, it, how dead set on inflicting pain they were until Thursday afternoon, Friday morning, ahead of the Japanese stock market open where suddenly, shh, we might slow the pace of tightening a little bit in December. Calm down, everyone, stop selling bonds. Yeah, you know, Mike, it's it, it's hilarious. I was pointing out to you and I, I just pulled it up here. Um, uh, on Thursday, late in the day Thursday, a Fed official was quoted as saying ongoing rate increases are likely needed. And then Friday morning, another Fed official is quoted as saying it's important that we slow our rate hikes. Yes. How anybody can take any of this seriously anymore, I just don't know. And then there was a speech at UCAL Berkeley by the afternoon that was talking about how we have to get ready for the, uh, the onboarding of an easier policy or something to that effect. Not exactly the right words, but. Well, I mean, there, there's there's a number. I mean, they're obviously trying to trying to engineer the outcome right. they want through through verbal diarrhea. I guess right. I don't know what to call it. But I th I think something that that it maybe caught their attention this week was what appears to be a breakout in ten year yield closing for the week um, above four percent, just over four percent at four point two, which that three point nine four percent ish level. Um, has been just ultra important going back for two decades. And now we're on the other side of it, a side, the side we haven't seen since about 2003. So um, I wonder if that is what caught their eye and, you know, precipitated their you know, wishy-washy back and forth comments. And for those who are familiar with TD Ameritrade's market forecast oscillator, I'm not going to get into it um, 
but the bonds uh, readings on that oscillator were such that on Thursday afternoon, I actually sent about an hour before the close a note to cheat sheet subscribers because I had never seen so many global index oscillators, the, the two key ones that would uh, basically forecast a, the last time I saw it like that was in, during the financial crisis, like the, in the Lehman era, I saw two pinned well below sort of their breakdown threshold. And I thought, oh my God, we're going to have a lookout to below day tomorrow. And it was all driven by bond, the bond meltdown. And I'm showing on the screen for those of you who are watching the video, just the relentless march downward on the TLT. What's ironic is the long end of the curve wasn't really affected by the the, the gum jobs that much. Bonds, I mean, continue to go down um, Friday morning. It was, I guess, late in the day that they reversed a little bit and we finished sort of with a, uh, uh, a doji, at least in the long end of the curve. And then I'm not sure about the, uh, uh, you know, the front end of the curve. I think it did a little better. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at a weekly just on my end here. I'm looking at a weekly on the 10 year, which is why I monitor most closely. Yeah. And, and it's, it's a pretty bullish weekly candle. Yep. And the, the SHY, which is the ETF that tracks the one to three year treasuries was also, um, it finished up pretty, uh, almost, you know, almost a point and a half uh, percentage wise, which is a big move for this kind of um, stock. So, so my thought is uh, follow through seems likely unless the fed believes that the market mistook their leak to the wall street journal um, too exuberantly, which is always possible, right? We have several fed governor speeches Tuesday through Thursday next week. It's a, uh, it's fed a palooza. There's about four of them. It, it, there's also I want to come back to bonds real quick, but I'll just tack on to that. So in, in addition to, um, you know, more Fed gum jobs, um, incredibly important earnings week coming up. Incredibly important earnings week and a whole slew of earnings announcements. That's one thing I or not earnings announcements. I'm sorry. Um, uh, what do you call it? economic data coming out? Yeah. So, so real quick, just to, just to maybe put a bow tie in the bonds conversation. Um, you know, we, we talked real briefly before we started and, and it definitely was a meltdown. I don't think, I don't think the sell-off in bonds this week got the attention it deserved. Um, it, it, I think it's a pretty serious development. And, I certainly and thought that yeah, is that. It, it, and I'm curious, um, since going back to, or not even going back, but mentioning dollar strength, right? We've, we've talked about that for weeks now. I, I had a, an idea that perhaps it was some foreign um, government who's a large holder of U.S. treasuries selling treasuries in an effort to raise dollars who could then sell those dollars um, to buy their own currency to defend it against the U.S. dollar. I mean, I and don't of know course, that. Well, but they don't make the plausible. announcement. Bank of, Bank of Japan, I think, is what you're referring to, right? Or the yeah. rumored entity. Yeah, a Bank of Japan or, you know, one of many other countries whose currency yeah. is just getting killed by the dollar. Well, the Bank of Japan, it's it's pretty clear they stepped in and uh, and bought yen on on Friday, yeah. uh, their Friday more afternoon, I guess it would be our uh, our Thursday overnight, which would make sense because if they were selling bonds Thursday, they'd have the cash on Friday, right? Right? Yeah. Yep. So anyway, well, and the dollar reverse pretty hard. Um, the UUP is actually kind of stuck. Uh, that's the ETF that uh, tracks the dollar. I guess I could look at the dollar index on my. Uh, trading screen. It's, um, you know, depending upon what instrument you're looking at, it's a, uh, we basically have uh, hit our head. We've actually put in kind of a similar high and maybe a, a lower high on an oscillator. Mm -hmm. um, so the dollar, I don't, I think feels more like consolidation than um, a reversal. Uh, but that's, I guess that's okay. And the relative strength in multiple timeframes is still, 
pretty good. And the, uh, the money flow, I can't do that on a dollar index, but the money flow on um, the UUP, actually, I'm just trying to see here. It, uh, it's actually weakening. It's down uh, actually uh, near negative, close to negative 0.2, which would make it pretty seriously under distribution. So uh, the dollar kind of hit a peak money flow wise back in the late September. And this month has been a little softer for the dollar, but I, it's probably yeah. just consolidation. Right. Right. And, and related the, the, the Euro, I think is, is maybe trying to find a bottom. So that those two things would line up if in yep. fact that that's the case. Yeah. And uh, the euros looks exactly opposite from the dollar and more yep. money flow. Uh, they're, they're buying euros and that's because the, uh, Europe was sort of behind the Fed, but they're starting to catch up now. And I think even the Bank of England, although, uh, boy, what a week for those guys. I mean, between the U.S. and Britain, we are definitely uh, in a beauty pageant for most fucked up uh, democracy in the world. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's it's becoming quite the contest to find out who's worse. Yeah, well, I think it's Britain because they don't have um, an economy to speak of. They don't have That's any true. trade deals with anyone. Do they even have a trade deal with us? I don't think they do. I... I, I... I don't know. I mean, that was that was the whole idea of Brexit, right? They'll they'll do it on their own, and they really haven't. Ready, fire, aim, Brexit. Yeah, yeah, yep. Well, you know, UK is always ahead of America, whether it's COVID cases or uh, you know uh, some kind of uh, uh, fashion trend. So I would expect that whatever sort of yes, exactly right. Yeah. So I guess whatever autocratic uh, right wing movement. I guess we we're starting in Italy this time, but. It'll happen to the uh, UK and then probably head our way. So, yeah. um, so who so, knows? It's going to be a crazy, and we didn't even talk about that. The other reason I think the stocks could have reversed is, you know, does Janet Yellen have the ability to kind of write an overnight check to buy some stocks out of the treasury and then sell them back the next day? Because it sure feels like every time the market is about to break down, yeah, there's we, a move. Have you, you noticed know, I, that? I, I, I have noticed it and, and we talk about it. I, I, I'm pretty active on Twitter. I've tweeted about it a little bit. It, it definitely gets, I definitely have the feeling that there's, there's some intervention, some meddling yep. going on somewhere. Um, I mean, look at for, this. Yeah. The, um, the, what we're looking at now is the first time the stock market broke the, uh, what'd you call it? The 3,600 area for lack of a better word. That's mm -hmm. been a stubborn kind of low area. We broke it and we closed below it and everybody lined up to go short. And then the short squeeze was on. It only lasted two days. Yeah. And then again, we cratered. And this time we finished even lower. Shorts were placed on then this massive bullish engulfing pattern, which is a basically a bullish reversal pattern on stocks. And this time, when it looked like the bond market was collapsing, I actually uncovered some puts because I thought, yes, finally, going to get the whoosh. And sure enough, I went into the weekend. I, you know, I should have recovered them on Friday, but uh, well, you know, it's interesting because that new low, which then resulted in that in the same day, resulted yep. in that bullish engulfing pattern. That was the day we found out that CPI was higher than anybody expected the prior right. month, which yep. which which also to me makes sense that there's somebody putting their fingers in there to keep it from oh, collapsing. Yeah. Yep. Um, so and, so ironically, we're sort of backed into a a uh, a head and shoulders bottom reversal pattern, and I could see us basically running through the holidays and closing back up at around, you know, 4,100 in diagonal resistance uh, as we look at charts. Sorry for those of you who listen to the podcast, but I think you can visualize this, that we've yeah. been in a kind of a, um, a pattern of not only lower highs and lower lows in the stock market, but this widening pattern where the lows get lower 
and the highs get a little wider so that we form this thing called a bugle or a, um, a megaphone uh, yep. pattern, which is a bearish pattern. But it's probably about time, you know, every, every few months we trade back up to diagonal resistance. So I've got that probably by the time we get there, 4,100 maybe, something like that. Well, I don't, I don't disagree with with the assessment um, or, or, or your numbers, but I, I push back just a little bit on the timing. I don't know that we're quite ready yet. I think there's too much unknown ahead of us in the next couple of weeks um, that perhaps, you know, and again, none of us know, right? right. None of us know. But, yeah. but to me, it makes more sense that the next couple of weeks remain choppy as we deal with um, elections and um, you know, there's some events coming up in the next couple of weeks in a Fed meeting also. Right. And then once we get past those things and volatility subsides, then maybe we can ramp up into the end of the year. Yep, You're probably right. There's probably nothing. Nothing is going to be explosive. But I think we're probably due for a little follow through on Monday. I could be wrong, but it felt yep. the way we closed with that oscillator that we look at in the market forecast, just pinning above 95 across lots of sectors and all of kind of the commodity, all the inflationary sectors, which are the if the Fed is gonna gonna wimp out, this is what would rally. Kind of that that was the move. You know, it was XLI, defense sector, XLI, XLB, metals and mining. I mean, we can go through them when it gets time to, to look at the charts, but it was all it was all commodity-based, basic materials, uh, energy, um, defense, you the kind of stuff that would be a little bit inflationary. You know what I found interesting on Friday is obviously the markets rallied pretty hard, the, the the indices did. But what I found interesting on Friday was that given the, you know, quote unquote, Fed leak, volatility stayed bid. It, it was nearly green at, at a couple different points in the day, and it ended down ever so slightly. Um, but in, in, in years past, months past, weeks past, maybe even on, on a leak like that, on on an interpretation of that kind of news by the market, I would have thought that volatility would have came in a lot more. What do you think? Yeah, bigger candle. And we've seen that before. Um, you know, but vol, 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 I think, kind of just crept down throughout the week. So while we didn't get it in one big move, we did get from about 35 down to about 28, 29. So in, in effect, it was a 20% down move in vol volatility. It was just more orderly. Got it. That, that's a really good point. I, yeah. I just would have expected a little more reaction on, on the headline on Friday. Sure. And it looks like what we did get, the biggest reaction was on Thursday. It was, so in other words, the the um, non-public information traders out there, meaning members of our government, um, uh, you know, settled all their positions up for Friday trading before <laughs> the rest of us knew about it. And that's the game we play. Yes, and, it is. It's definitely. And, and you know, I don't even pretend when I write my cheat sheet blogs, I just educate younger traders and say there's basically here's how the market moves. And I'll talk about supply and demand and how, you know, estimates matter, the Fed matters, uh, economic environment matters. But really what matters most is uh, what insiders know and how much they trade it. <laughs> That's right. So looking to the week ahead, um, we mentioned earlier, big earnings week. Um, Apple, Huge, about a third week. of the S&P. Yeah. I think it's 165 stocks. And and it's the, those companies that are heavily weighted too. So I mean, they're they're going to move the market. It is uh, ba based on what you saw last week from earnings. I mean, Tesla was a little disappointing. They're pretty big. Um, I think the banks did pretty well. Um, do you have a sense or a feeling yet of of what to expect from earnings? 
what I, you expect? Yeah, I, listen, I I went a little under the hood on the earnings that we just got back, and the, on you know, kind of on the headline is we did pretty well, right? The 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 story we got from most of the reports is you know at in line or beat, right? And we didn't get as much gloom and doom. Most of the people connected to the consumer said that the consumer isn't dead yet. They're still spending, right? There was all of that. There were, um, you know, other than the uh, folks involved with the banks, who I think are more concerned about what the Fed is going to do to liquidity and the counterparty risk and potentially credit contagion, they're more sensitized to that in the financial service industry. But those companies connected to the consumer, I think, were uh, pretty mellow. So my sense is that the media portrayed earnings as better than they were. But if you actually look underneath the hood, there are some, um, I don't know how to describe it, some um, uh, some VH1 behind the music, sort of uh, behind the headlines. Mm-hmm. So, for example, 20% of the companies in the S&P 500 um, reported uh, so far, and the earnings have been decent, uh, 72% reported actual earnings per share above estimates. But... That's below the five-year average of 77%. It's above below the 10-year average of 73%, meaning it is normal for three quarters of the company to uh, beat uh, estimates, but but the trend line is lower. So it's a real subtle um, sort of thing. And uh, and there's there's other metrics like that. Um, so basically, uh, companies reporting earnings that are uh, were averaged about 2.3% above estimates. So that, that was the average beat, but that's below the five-year average and not by a little, by a lot. It's uh, the five-year average is almost 9% is what the typical beat is. So we were less than a third of that. And the 10-year beat, we were less than half of that at uh, six and a half percent versus two and, uh, two and a third percent. So it's that kind of quiet little, you know, sort of like relative strength. When we look at relative strength, it's a, it's a creeper. But it but it actually matters a little bit how relative strength does. I would say the the relative position of earnings against uh, same earnings this time a year ago, five years ago, ten years ago on a percentage basis that does matter. And we're seeing maybe the a topping of the corporate earnings pattern. That's really interesting because um, that's obviously going to creep into the PE of the S and P five hundred itself, right? Which is still. Yep above the the historical norm i think it's you know yep. it's 18 or 19 when historically it's 15 or 16 so right we're it, priced better than the earnings trajectory right so so there yeah. has to be recalibration or there should be there is and we're going to get a ton of data uh next week um obviously the i think the big shiny object is going to be q3 gdp which by the way uh you know i think it's um the consensus is about two and a half points on gdp after two negative quarters so if there's if inflation hicked anything up, um, that might there might be a downside surprise on uh, on GDP. Um, but you've got lots of housing metrics next week. Case Shiller is next week. There's housing starts. There's another home price index besides Case Shiller. Uh, we have durable goods. We've got the University of Michigan. The kind of the um, well, you know, you you miss consumer sentiment. There's several versions of that throughout the month. I think this might be the final October, so it, it's not going to be that. Uh, that market moving, but we have also core PCE. We've got pending home sales. We've got a, uh, you know, consumer spending study, tons of data, tons of earnings, and uh, at least four Fed speeches next week. 
it 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 has it has all the makings of a very whippy week. Would you would you agree with that? I do, especially when you consider the um, the the report includes about you know more than a third of uh, Dow companies next week. Yeah. So the mega caps are going. You know, you mentioned housing. Uh, maybe we'll wrap up the macro monkeys uh, portion of the of this with with this. Um, I I just realized this week. So there's a. A uh, mortgage-backed security ETF. It is uh, MBB, I believe. Yeah, I tracked it on two feeds. Yeah. Did you realize, and I, I, it just smacked me, it is currently 11% below its lowest point back in 2008. I'm looking at it right here. It's in a horrible downtrend, this ETF. So, so there's less appetite right now for mortgage-backed securities than in 2008 when the crisis was about mortgage-backed securities. I, I just, I I, I, yeah. I don't know why, but that just startled me. Well, again, the entire debt complex um, sort of cascaded lower. And of course, anybody uh, who's been counting on the bond portion of their portfolio to save them from this uh, horrible year has been- Forget about it. Yeah, it's been magnified. And there's a whole bunch of people retiring now with less uh, net worth than they started with by a lot. So I think that that is going to be a, another headwind for the market. When you think about it, you know, two things happen. Whenever there are hard times roll around and there's a sustained bear market, it usually takes about five years for mom and pop retail investors to get back in the game. You know, they get shaken out at the very bottom. I don't think we're there yet, right? I think we've still got the shakeout to come. I agree. And so you'll have that. And then retail traders reluctant to get back in. They'll get back in once we've made it 75% of the, the way back up before the next bear market. Right. We have, but, but the other difference is we're starting to hit the peak retirement years in terms of demographics, right? The, uh, the, the people hitting 65 um, the next year and the year after it's basically, we're done with the baby boomers at that point, right? Another three years, I think it is. I'm 58 and considered, I guess, the last year of baby boom. So I guess technically we have, Seven years ago, though, I think my generation feels more like uh, Gen X than baby boom. But we're starting to run out of the biggest generation and they're cashing out of equities. So there's not going to be the same run rate into 401k as the blind blind investments that we've had for decades in the past. We're going to start shrinking in terms of our total uh, retail investment pool. That's that's interesting, and but that's also another reason, uh, not to jump around too much. But those are the people, and the reason why that maybe the end of the year brings that rally, right? Just to to bring the numbers back up a little bit for end of year numbers and um, satisfy all those holding the four hundred one ks, make it a little less painful when they look at your year in statements. Yeah, again, to the extent the government manipulates for that. But, but I think we're due for a little bit of a rally here. I just don't know how big it's going to be. But yeah. it felt like Friday's price action was a little bit of a, it, it broke some water. Uh, and there's nothing we can do. The baby's coming, that kind of thing. I, I Again, it could be a, a three-day rally. It could be a half-a-day rally. Or it could be a four-week rally. I just don't know. Yeah, yeah. I guess we'll uh, we will find out this week. And like you said, we'll have a, a lot of uh, information um, provided this week. And we'll discuss it next week all right double we'll cool. talk Good to you again soon. we'll talk to you soon